0: Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Limons-Debro. We are officially in silly season. I'm not going to talk a lot of basketball in this, because I, not that I don't think it's important, but I think there's just a lot of football stuff to get out of the way because we're about to be blitzed by this In you know, starting, December, starting next Monday. The portal is going to be open. We're already in silly season with coaching... Just you, as I'm recording this, Mike Elko has officially been announced as the head coach at Duke. Excuse me, the head coach at Texas a and So now Duke needs a head coach. You know, you've had some openings pop up that I wouldn't say are unexpected, but at, at schools like Indiana, Houston, I was kind of surprised that that would happen. You know, Oregon State now needs a coach. Syracuse, maybe by the time this is published, We'll have their coach, and it probably is going to be Bob Chesney, I think. Who knows? I think it might be him. Dan Mullen's out of it. We'll see. Uh, Louisiana and There's But there's also some more stuff coming down the pipe, whether in the G5 reigns or also in the ACC. I think the ACC is not done with, with theirs. I don't think it's going to be a firing. We'll see. There are so many things going on. And, you know, I do like yes, Wake Forest plays Florida on Wednesday. Basketball. Basketball. Very important game for Rick Forest Baths for Steve Forbes and the crew. I don't really know what, what more else could be said about this game. You're going to be probably close to a double-digit underdog. You know, I'd probably be seven or eight points, I think, right now. You know, you get, Florida's solid on the boards. You're going to be a really good game out, out of your guards. I do not think Efton Reed gets cleared before this. You know, I, I still don't think that that happens until December, but especially with the way the NCAA is operating, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it but it's just kind of how it is. You know, this is going to be a, this is one you're going to need your, your guards to really carry you in. Hope you can get some really good minutes out of guys like Zach Keller and Marcus Marion. So, yeah, I, I, I hate that. I'm not talking more about it t- today, but I think there's just a litany of stuff to go through. And I want to get through this in under an hour. got my time already. I don't like doing long episodes. <laughs> my voice will hurt, but there is a lot of stuff to get through today. Um, you know, Wake Forest ended their season on Saturday. They are not going to be qualifying for one of the open spots and bowls. They didn't deserve to play in a bowl game, to be quite honest. They just didn't. I you know, I, I know the APR stuff and all that happened. I know the, the team, you know, people practiced and played hard and all that all that great stuff, but you know, I uh, they didn't, they didn't deserve, they didn't deserve it. Deserving got nothing to do with it, but I mean, the Duke game, and if I sound more just kind of matter of fact about it, it, I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm not yelling. Uh, at the Duke game was what kind of just kind of sold that for me because I thought that's, that's the, I, I thought of it then. And I think it, and I think it now the Duke game is an inflection point of your season. I don't think it's the Georgia tech game. I don't think it's the Clemson game. I don't think it's Michael Curran getting hurt in the Virginia tech game. I, it's the Duke game. The Duke game, where you played your asses off for three quarters. You played some pretty damn good football. You had maybe a drive that a defensive drive that wasn't great, but you played some damn good football, both on offense and defense. And in one quarter, you pissed it away. So that, that was just kind of once you throw away a game like that, I don't think you deserve to play in a bowl game. I, I just don't think that you, you didn't earn the right to do that. And, you know, you did didn't take advantage when you, when you could have against Syracuse, whether that was you essentially just not being able to stop an option team or, you know, you not being able to score when it's 31, 35, when you have first and goal from the nine, I'm not going through the two point conversion discourse. I'm not arguing. If you want to argue with math, I'm not going to do it with you. Like that's, that's what the math says. It's what like, that's just it. <laughs> like go argue with the statisticians then of, of what's, of what's going on there. But, you know, that someone talked to me and asked, you know, someone asked, you know, why don't more coaches do this? Coaches are usually pretty push pretty much pushed back on a lot of analytics and for, people are trying to get them more to analytics. And so that was, you know, the map says that's the right call. I'm going with it. You, you still pissed away other opportunities. You could have, you, you, you had a first and goal from the nine, like you had a chance to score a touchdown. There didn't sucks. So, we flip the page to the portal. Now, if you're listening to this, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, we're doing an off-season, well, I am doing an off-season outlook sort of series leading up into the portal being open. So, you know, as, as we said, the portal does open up on next Monday. And, you know, I am not necessarily... Thrilled about about it because I mean it's 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 a it's a hellish it's a hellish time, yeah. It's it's no one really enjoys this like at all. Whether it's coaches, whether it's yeah, you know, whether it's players, whether it's you know, really fans, like no one really enjoys this like at all. Like you know, December fourth is not a fun time for a lot of people and the lead up to it is not fun as well but like i said i'm doing an off season outlook and the two pieces that have gone into it so far have been essentially a projection of what i think the roster will look like come next year and that's not and that's not accounting for you know the incoming football incoming recruiting class as well as transfers in and then just yesterday i published a piece that was you know what positions should force prioritize in the transfer portal so when I looked at the projections, I had Wake projected for about six to eight spots in the transfer portal. I'd probably put it. So that's probably where I'm. I'm. I'm going to stick that at like six to eight, maybe nine. Nine would be as far as I'm pushing it. I don't see this. I don't see a school like Wake Forest, like Duke, Michigan, all any any school that is a high academic school that has requirements <laughs> on. You know what can and what can't transfer in credit wise is not going to be able to take double digit double digit people like like ten might be the absolute like max. There just aren't that many people that can one help you, two find think that you're going to be the best fit for them, and three have all their credits transfer in that will come into your class. That's just it just won't happen. So I think there're going to be six to eight spots. You know when I look at the projection and I want to kind of play a little game right now of, you know, who stays, who goes out of, I don't want to, everyone's important. Everyone has a voice, et cetera, et cetera. So obviously the guys that are out of, out of eligibility, Spencer Clapp is gone. Michael Jordan is out of eligibility. Jacob Roberts is gone. Jalen Garns. Love you, man. Gone. Brendan Harris. I haven't heard anything concrete on Brendan Harris. He is able to get a waiver. So if you don't remember, Ben Harris transferred from Vanderbilt last year, came in, played some, like he he had an injury, but he played some really, really solid snaps for them last year and was playing really well for them early in the first two games of the season, but picked up an injury in the Vanderbilt game in the second game of the season and did not play the rest of the year. Now, you know, there are two ways to kind of think about this because at first it was like four to six weeks. When I I remember I went back through notes and Costum was like, Oh, that should be a four or six week injury. And then we hit the six week mark and there was still about four to five games left. And he and it was like, oh, he's gonna be out for the season. You know, I there part of me thinks he's done with football. Also a part of me thinks, you know, does he just try to get the injury? I mean, it's a it's a clear cut case of an injury waiver. You know, if you if you have an injury waiver, I think it's only four games. And then you, if after you get injured, you can't come back and play at a single point. Harris only played two games and then got hurt. I think it's a pretty clear cut. Like if he wants it, he could get it. And so I'm interested to see if that happens. I think it'd be a really, really good addition if he does come back. I'm not, I, I think it's more likely than not he does not come back, but the door is open if he wants to do it. I think Kalen Carson's gone. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday. Kalen is a, there is a divide there's I, I not divide, but I think there is a people are looking at, have two different lenses on Kalen, but what the fans have seen and what NFL scouts have seen this year. I think the fans have been like, ah, like, you know, Kalen hasn't really been all that impressive. And I, that's not like, I think I've seen this, I've seen multiple takes on this. The, the, I think the impression has been that Kalen hasn't been this good corner, but then when you look at it, Kalen hasn't been, Kalen's been targeted overall the season a ton, but they're really condensed in a certain games. And it's the games like Pitt where he was playing slot corner. So, I mean, it's, I, I really worry. I don't, I'm not really sure on the targets whenever someone's playing a slot because they'll just assign the nearest person there. And that's not really who the who that is on coverage. So I'm always a little bit wary about that. So like Pitt, I know he got targeted a bunch. FSU, which was the money maker game. I know people are like, "Well, Keon Coleman had a one-hand touchdown." Sometimes that stuff just happens, man. From scouts I talked to, Kayla made him a lot of himself, a lot of money in that game, and a lot of money this year because he spent very, very, very good in run support. He battled with Keon Coleman. Like there was, there was some solid. I think he graded like a seventy-one in that game, which is pretty solid. He was battling with Keon Coleman. He was. It was a back-and-forth adventure, and that's how stuff is going to work in the NFL. Not everyone's, but he, no one's projecting Kalen as a first round pick. And as a first round pick, you would think, you know, more of like a shutdown, and that's fine. But for someone that's a, maybe a third or fourth round pick, Kalen Carson has pretty much everything you want to do there. And so you know, I, I've heard, like, I've heard a second round from a couple people. I think it's more likely, you know, a third or fourth round. The last, the last pick in the fourth round gets some assigning bonus of, over $750,000. I love Kalen to death. I think he's a fantastic player. People aren't paying corners in the NIL market, almost a million dollars. They're just not, like there's just not a, a, people aren't paying, people are, there's maybe five to six players. I'll push it up to 10, just because some people will pay stupid money. I'll put 10 players that are making a million dollars in college football right now love Kalen, but I, it's just one of those things of you're not going to get the money that you're probably going to be worth in the NFL here so i think it's best that you go and if that's if you're actually getting that 3rd or 4th round grade 5th round you know maybe 5th round would be like where i would come back like i would think about coming back a lot 3rd or 4th round i'm like hey look just go like that's that's more money than you're going to get from any school in the in the fbs like <laughs> Because I don't think a UGA would pay him, you know, that much money. I don't think in Ohio State. I don't think of Washington, Oregon, et cetera. So that's more money you're going to get. Take your shot at the NFL. And if you happen to fall to the fifth round, you're still, oh, no, you fell to the fifth round and you're making, what, like, 300? Uh, the top of the fifth round is, is just under $450,000. Yeah, like. <laughs> Oh no! I don't get seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars as my signing bonus. I get to play in the NFL and only make like four hundred and fifty grand. Darn! I, I I think the smart thing for Kalen to do this year is to go. Uh, I I think that's what his camp is going to end up deciding. And, and you know, that's just how the how it works. On the list, we also have you know Jamal Banks. Jamal Banks is going to be an interesting case going to be a very 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 interesting case um this between him and justice ellison i think there are two they're going to be two people that are going to have to figure out what the market says about them and i'll start with i'll actually i'll start with with with, uh, justice ellison because it ties into damon claiborne who i'll talk to a little bit later running backs are not getting a lot of money in the nil space they're they're just not I know people have a lot of concerns about other stuff and stuff that's happened in the past. No one's sitting here and paying, you know, 150, yeah, really 150, 200, 250K, 300K. No one's paying these like low to mid six figures for running backs. Running backs aren't valued in the NFL. And while there's like, I, while I love Justice, I think he's a good solid player. And I think he's a really, really good person, a fun interview. You know, it, it took, Jameer Gibbs being an absolute demon on the field, for him to get six figures, I, I don't, I don't know if he necessarily gets you know a six figure contract. And I think you know if it's going to depend on what he wants. If he thinks he can go out and get that six figure contract, sorry, love you, man. I, I don't think Wick should get into into a bidding war with him. That's just kind of business at that point. Like, uh, it's one of those things of resource allocation I I don't know if I can justify giving you know 150 200 ish thousand dollars to a running back Jamal banks same sort of, same sort of thing you know Jamal's gonna have an interesting case because I don't know what his draft stock really is at this point because I think he was I, he's he was solid this year he had some ups and downs but I mean he's a solid athlete. He's got pretty good size, his hands, he's got some solid hands. I don't really care about the whole I don't I really care about the whole yak with him and yeah. With me the the he's not a good blocker, he's not a burner. That's that like like I don't care about yak, but other people are going to care about yak in the NFL and that's 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 going to be a problem. You know, he does a good job of of finding soft spots and so I think that's probably his very his his best trade is he finds soft spot zones pretty easily it's a good route runner he doesn't change directions all that all that much and so I'm curious of what an NFL scout would say about him and I'm trying to I've tried to hear back from some people on him and you know I I don't know if his stock gets better I think he's just kind of a better version of Sage to be quite honest and I thought Sage should. I thought Sage made the right decision in going back and going to the NFL. Not so much for like because for Sage, especially if you have your degree, Sage Charat's draft stock was not going to get higher coming back to the, coming back to college. I had heard that from many scouts. Sage is Sage was who he was. Sage was a guy that was just really big receiver, bulky, played above the rim great possession receiver he's slow just that's just who he is he's just he's a tight end in a wide receiver's body and now that he's kind of made the move to a tight end he's he's built he has obviously found a spot in the usfl you know maybe he one day ends up on as a fringe nfl guy but stuff like that and i think that's one of like the biggest like false narratives we like fans will kind of make sometimes is like oh well if he came back he would have been, been better a lot of times, like, having that extra gear doesn't really do much for you unless you're someone with just, like, obscene tools, like someone will talk about in a second. Once you have, like, those really obscene tools, the production doesn't really matter all that much for you. It's a, you know, you kind of are who you are. And that's kind of what I think about with Jamal is, hey, unless, he, unless Jamal Banks will go out in next year, whether it's at Wake Forest or somewhere else and puts up, like, you know, is a top five dude in the country in receiving yards or something like that. I don't know necessarily how much a another year in college helps him, because I think Jamal is in the same mold. Of, I think he's a better prospect than Sage because I think he's just I think he's a better athlete than than Sage, but i I don't know from what the knocks are on him he can he can necessarily improve on like he's not gonna sit here and become you know an a j brown type of speed like a j brown's a lot bigger, a lot faster than people give him credit for I don't know if he necessarily like figures out the change of direction sort of stuff I mean, he's not he's not the shiftiest of guys he's he's a big bulking guy that's just who he is so that's the part that's that's one where i want to see what the n f l comes back to him and what the open market says on him because he's someone that you know could honestly be like, look, I just want as big as paycheck, big of a paycheck as I want as I can get right now because I'm gonna go to the NFL next year, still be a you know fifth, sixth round draft pick. Doesn't matter. Let me just get a big pay, get a big paycheck right now. You know, if you're going for you know, four to five hundred k, really, I, I'd say four hundred k is where I would, if I'm wake, I'm like, okay, that's I'll, I'll pay that. If it's, you know, 500k or more, I, I really don't know how much more you'd be willing to play that game. Like, I think, I know Wake has has some money to play with, has a decent amount of money to play with. Like, like multiple millions, more than two, obviously. But I don't know how worth it it would be to shell out, you know, 500k, 600k for Jamal. Which sucks, but that's just kind of you're again resource allocation. I don't same thing with paying two fifty for justice. <laughs> you know Jamal Banks wants five hundred k. Like I, I, I don't know if you think you get him to come back for you know two three hundred. You know why not? You know that's fine, but that's that's kind of where that where that is right now. Donovan Green, on the other hand, you know that's someone that I, I think I think he'll be back. I from talking to people, I think he he will be back. His I mean it's just it's stock with him. Like he has no stock right now. Donovan Green is easily, when healthy, the most pro ready and has like NFL prospect they have on this team. He's more he's more pro ready than DeMond Clayborn. He's more pro ready than any of the offensive linemen. He's pro more pro ready than Jasheen Davis. He's more pro ready than Kalen, Malik, you name it. Donovan Donovan Green, Wesley Grimes, Micah Mays. That dude body type is Body type, what he can do is what the NFL drools over. The problem is he's been hurt a lot. So the stock in the NFL is like, look, man, he doesn't have a ton of film. He he does not exactly have like, like he has what four game, five games essentially in 2019. He has a few games in 2020 where he was banged up and was really inconsistent until that, until the UNC game, he was bad. Like he was not good at all. You have the 2021 where he was hurt the entire time. You have 2022 where, you know, he, I think, was solid, a little, got a little banged up at the end of the year. And that really, I think the last few weeks he was just playing hurt. Was solid up until then, but it was still kind of fluctuating because it was a three-headed monster. It was a three-headed monster with him, Jamal, and AT. And obviously he's missed all of this year with injuries. Donovan doesn't have a whole lot of tape on him. Like at all. So from the NFL perspective, it's a it is a I know I, no one wants to touch him right now because you're not sure if he can stay healthy. You're not sure that you can actually like, trust him right now. And that's the same sort of way in the, in the portal, you know, not saying that people don't want, like not saying if he was to enter the portal, people wouldn't want him, but no one's necessarily banging down the doors. Like they were last year to get Donovan green. Like last year you had, you know, Notre Dame trying to get, trying to get Donovan green. And I don't know how much they're going to, a school like that is is doing that this year because, and I feel fine with that one being out there because we're, we're a year past that I feel fine putting that out there. I don't know how much schools are doing that this year, Reed none because he's been hurt, you know, multiple years, you know, is that just who he is at this point? And how can I justify spending, you know, the 250, 300 K to really tamper and get him out of there. If I can't trust him to stay healthy, you know, that's, that's part of that equation. Now that doesn't disqualify him from saying, you know what? And same thing. That's the reason why wake up Luigi Valen, you know, really touted prospect, really, really good, have, has a bunch of pro measurables with him, but he just couldn't stay healthy. And that was one. I, but I think the part of that was also Michigan saying, look, man, like we need this open spot. You can kind of go wherever you want, but it doesn't disqualify Donovan was saying, you know what? I've been hurt a lot. Maybe a fresh start somewhere else makes me, you know, puts me in a better mindset and I end up just maybe, maybe this place is cursed. I don't know that that people have that feeling sometimes, but from what I'm led to believe from talking to people, he'll be back next year. And so, and not that I think it's like at a quote unquote discount, but I don't think you'll have to fight off as many people as you did last year to keep him. So I take Orton's in the same boat as Jamal Banks with me as a, you know, I don't really know how much more his draft stock can really get better. If he, the question you'll have, and we'll touch on this, in the, when I talk about the needs, is, you know, can he get comfortable at left tackle? Like, if he can show to be a a actually decent left tackle, then then the, a key is just unlocked for, for a whole new world for him in terms of his draft stock, how much money he he can get, et cetera. He's a right tackle right now, and he's a he's a meh left tackle, but he's a solid right tackle. Fifth, sixth, seventh round kind of guy probably at best right now. You know, that's enough. That's in the wheelhouse that the way it's like, look, we'll just give you a couple hundred K, move on, be done. And But that's also with Devontae. He's been in school forever. He's dealt with the – like he was a gray shirt because he had, had a nasty injury in, in, college, in high school. What goes on there? Sheen Davis – Honestly, kind of the whole linchpin of the season of the off season because I don't because he changes so many things of what you want to do in the portal. I think you still get a defensive end even if he stays. The draft stock hasn't been what it is. hasn't been hasn't been weird. Like he's put up a lot of stats and been really good, but I don't know if the draft stock has really reflected that in the off in like this season. Like a, a few people I've talked to have been kind of surprised. They thought they expected more out of him, and he's been really really good. I think he might end up being a second team I don't know about first team, but I think second or third team all ACC is probably where he lands uh, I think Jerkins ends up on first team probably Gordon probably third team I think Jasheen ends up on a second or third team and I think Claiborne as an all-purpose guy might end up as a as a third team there's not a whole lot of options at running back and wide receiver for all purpose so DeMond might get there but yeah so like Justine, like I'm really curious that the NFL thing is gonna is gonna matter here a lot. Like if if the grade comes back fourth or higher, I think he leaves. But I also go, you he is someone that that is in that mold of if you slim down a little bit and you have you know a a wrecking ball of a season in 2023, I'm in 2024, you could be a second round pick or a fr- or a fringe first rounder. So I I won't that one I don't know that I there the conversation of the number has not been discussed yet. Jashin is and I don't know just now. You know maybe as I'm reporting this something's going to happen on Twitter because things always happen like that. Love that it's great, but yeah it's a it, Jashin is is going to be interesting. I am I'm really really intrigued to see that. So and Chase Jones. I mean I would lean Chase Jones like would not I, I think that that concussion was just that nasty, man. I, I think he's done. Like I think he'd be really nice if he could come back next year, but I I don't know if I I really don't know if they uh if it's gonna be good enough for he's gonna be good enough to come back next year, which sucks, but man. Hey, that's tough. That's tough. Some fringe guys that I know people are going to be worried about. Demon Claiborne. Look, Demon's just hurt. Like, I, everyone was freaking out about post. I, I got legitimately double-digit messages asking, was that, was the post Demon posted on Sunday or Saturday night, I guess, was that about him, you know, being, him, you know, saying goodbye to Wake Forest, like, you know, was this the Kenneth Walker sort of thing? No. He's just hurt, and I think he's going to have some off-season surgery. I One of the things that we do, and I, even as a writer, I do it sometimes too, we take injuries for granted like a lot. A lot of these guys have never been injured to the point of having to miss games or have off-season surgeries. It is a completely different world when you are put on the shelf for months, especially when you're that high level of an athlete missing games is like the worst thing to these guys and i i feel for him and you know i think he'll be i think he'll be he'll be fine like i know he'll be fine it's just a matter of I, i'm trying to check around and see if it's a missing spring sort of thing or missing fall sort of thing i know i think tate's gonna have some offseason surgery too i think he should be fine later in the spring but they got to clean some stuff up with them too but yeah claymore's fine he's just sad and pissed off that he's that he's hurt i mean he's The Kenny thing is just, it's a whole different story. It's the same, like, it's not my story to tell. There's some other, there was a lot of other stuff happening with Kenneth that did not involve tampering, did not involve unhappiness with role, did not involve, you know, any of money, any of the sort. A lot of those guys, whether it's like him, like Trey Rucker, whether it's a Tabari Hines, like, there's a lot of, like, backstory that, that goes on between, you know, like the last, like, month or two. And, yeah, so and it was always frustrating because it's – I don't like being like, oh, ha, you know, things. Huh? But, like, sometimes it's just it, – it's a lot better for someone to just move on to the next place versus them stay there and things get worse. So that's, that's what I'll say there. DeMond is not in that situation. Um, DeMond really, really loves Wake Forest. His mother would put him six feet under if he did not get a Wake his degree. I mean that very, very real. His mother would kill him. So, yeah, like it's a mama knows best. He loves the place. Whether or not Ellison comes back, he's going to have a very featured role next year. He's taken care of I O wise He's good. Wesley Grimes, and we're about to hit the 30-minute mark. Wesley Grimes, man, that dude balled the hell out on the, uh, on, on Saturday. I mean, that dude had, they do had a rough go of it. Like I said, it was tough with people in, you know, having injuries. It's also tough when you're used to being the guy somewhere for multiple years. And granted, you can come into someplace and you know, redshirt for a year, but that next year, you're thinking you're going to be the guy. I, Wesley didn't. Didn't take that too well, uh, not like an anger sort of well, but just like dwelled on it too much. Then started, it started getting in his head. He wasn't making the plays that he should have. He was making, he was making the wrong decisions. He couldn't bring out the ball when he, when he, when he had the opportunity to, it just all like kind of snowballed and compounded with him. But the last few games of the season, like he, he, he pulled himself up by the bootstraps, talked to coaches, talked to his, to, to the wide receiver room and, the last few weeks of practice for Wesley were I've heard the best that he's ever practiced way for us, And it showed in the, in the Syracuse game. He, I, I think that's what we're going to see out of Wesley. He has picked himself up and he is really, really, and that, and he's one of the reasons why I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit sad that they don't get a bowl game because I think with more and more practices, like we are really going to see a special Wesley Grimes. Like he is grow, he is growing up and it's, and it's, been such a heartwarming thing behind the scenes like he's really really grown up he loves wake forest that he is really like determined to be like a dude next year and i and he thinks that that he thinks that that performance is like look this is what i am i'm going to be i am going to be i was looking about the drop an f-bomb he's like i am uh," he thinks that he want he's going to be the effing dude he's going to be the guy next year he wants to work so hard to be that guy next year and you're starting to see it now. He finally, like the last few weeks, he finally kind of picked himself up and was like, "I'm going to instead of moping around, I'm going to put all my all into this." Credit to him. Credit to Audi confessor. You know, really turning that around. And I'm hope I'm hopeful that, that next year that that continues on to there. But that was one that I wasn't worried about a transfer, but he was in the he was down the dumps. He was he was in the dumps. I think Kevin Pointer stays. Well, I'm pretty sure Kevin Porter days. Yeah, like that's like a not a fake Them, 90% sure he stays. Um and Malik Mustafa, you know, I was really surprised no one really called out. You know, I had Malik Mustafa coming back, like, and not even in the potential pro position. Malik is a interesting he's an interesting dude, man. Inter- interesting dude. Wake Forest there's certain players that I know I know Wake Forest was just like you know, there's a certain cap on how much we'd pay you if some people offered you. I don't think there's a cap on how much Wake would put, would pay Malik to come back next year. They, I, I, they will do, I have it from pretty good authority. They will do everything in their power to keep Malik Mustafa next year. So I, and safety board's a bit crowded in the NFL. Malik's still a little bit undersized. I kind of be able to be wondering to see if they try him out at slot a little bit next year to see if he can add some versatility to his, To his repertoire. Uh, Yeah, but he'll be back. He'll be fine. Turning the page over to the additions. So here's how the portal is going to go. It's going to go the same way it's been. It goes. It's been the last few years. And the same way it's going to go it's gone in basketball. It's the same. All the portal works in the same way. And it really makes me laugh at times because I can call it to a T and because it, ha- it happens every year. I can't even call this the first wave, but you have your initial whatever wave of whether it's FCS, you know, really lower, lower, pro, lower school guys that are jumping into the portal early because they've really outperformed the level that they're playing at and want to jump to a higher level. They've been told by their handlers, their trainers, some NFL scouts that have gotten in their ear that, hey, you know, I think jumping up to the next level, whether that's in the P5, the G, or it has P4 now, RIP Pac-12, the P4, the G5, G6, you know, something of that, of that accord, you would be, you'd be a lot better served off than staying in the FCS. Those waves of players jump in, everyone loses their mind and goes you have to get this guy you have to get this guy you have to get it is a failure if you do not get this guy it is a failure if you do not do it and then it's like hey dude hold on the the portal barely isn't even open and we still got a whole lot of stuff to work through and then once the portal officially opens you know there's maybe one or two surprises that you're like oh i wish this guy would have stayed now we have to go get a guy but then someone from like lsu or Michigan or Georgia into portal, go get him, go get him, go get him. And it's like, all right, dude, it's fine. We're we're okay. We're good. We're fine. Due diligence. It's fine. And then, you know, probably the first, one of the first or two targets that you saw, you're like, I got really attached to this guy. Go somewhere else. You're like, Oh my God, why is the staff not doing this? And, and this isn't just Wake Forest century. This is, I, I love talking to other beat writers because they experience the exact same rollercoaster of emotions And it's really, and it's really fun because it's just sitting back to being like, we have the same exact conversations, you know, that first wave of guys that you got really attached to like half of them go somewhere else. And, you know, maybe one of them, one or two of them visit your school. And then, but they end up going to like maybe a rival or maybe somewhere just geographically kind of similar to you. And you're like, oh my God, the staff's, staff's failing. How are they flocking this bad? We're never going to win anything. This is why we need to fire people. And then it's like, dude, all right, we're fine. Mm." You know, second wave comes, you find someone and you get really attached to them. That person probably ends up joining your team, a couple more people, et cetera. Then another wave of people comes in. And it's just it, like the cycle kind of repeats itself. And I made this point on Twitter a little bit earlier was there? there's two, there's two parts of it. One, it's early. <laughs> and two, it's early we already know that there's going to be a healthy amount of people coming by like, going into the portal. Like Vanderbilt had some people jump in the portal yesterday. You know, I think wake starts jumping into the portal today or tomorrow. I think be, the meeting started yesterday. So I, so starting, you know, maybe later tonight, Tuesday, as you get closer and closer to finals, some people might just want to finish up five, get three finals before doing it. That happens. Um, there, there are going to be some healthy names in the portal across the board. And there are also going to be some surprises that are still, like, behind the scenes. Like, uh, there are some names popping up. I'm like, okay, dude. (laughs) Good luck to the internet if you hop in the portal. So, it it doesn't need, you don't need to knee-jerk at every single person that hops in the portal. I get if you're at Wake Forest and you have the the limitations of, and if you're someone, everyone's podcast is the first. Some people don't always know. Wake Forest, schools like Wake Forest, Michigan, Duke, Vanderbilt, Stanford, those sort of schools have limitations. Those limitations are that essentially rising juniors, if you try to get those guys in, you need to be a certain amount of way through your required coursework towards your degree in order to be eligible. It's 40% by the end of your second year, 60% by the end of your third year, 80% by the end of the fourth year. So if you're coming in as a, you know, rising third year, or as a rising junior, you need to be done with 40% of your class. Now, depending on the school, sometimes people will be, you know, that will be a full year and a half into their, into their major. Some people will end up being maybe, you know, their first two years are just a bunch of general studies. And so they're at least just, you know, halfway through, you know, they've got some stuff in a, in a major, but they're at least just halfway through just getting a degree in general. Schools like Wake, Michigan, Stanford. If you have already had your, like your credits, and say, and you're an economics major, or a, you know, a communications major, or a, you know, Spanish major, whatever your major, HES, whatever your major might be, those that academic chair of the department, whether it's the econ department, math department, psychology department, bio department, whatever, that chair gets to go line by line. At your those credits that fall into your major, and say, This one gets to come in, this one doesn't, this one gets to come in, this one doesn't. And a lot of times, those credits do not come in. So, people that are second in their second years or their rising juniors are put in the position that they end up either being like at best like a semester behind, which kind of make up with you have a little more course load. Take, you'll take a couple extra classes every 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 semester or so every semester or so you'll have a little bit of a harder summer se- session but some people will just lose so many credits that you're basically starting from scratch and so it's not only are you not wanting to go through that much work to do it sometimes you're just not going to be eligible by the time the the season rolls around like it's just physically i'm not going to be eligible and so Rising juniors, depending on the school, and every school is different. Like for Wake, schools like Illinois didn't, Clemson doesn't, ULM like Wisen and MRO did, Delaware did. It's like I know it's I know at Michigan, Stanford credits didn't didn't transfer over, so it's it's purely a case by case basis. It's the dumbest thing ever. So yeah, if you have those limitations, you'd think, hey, you know, so Wake and those schools can't really re- recruit. They can recruit some, but not many, right? Like people who finish up their sophomore years, Rise, rising seniors are out because especially at Wake, because you need to complete two years of school at Wake Forest. So not only are you using your credits, you then need to stay another year if you want to get a get a degree. People aren't really willing to do that. So it usually has to be someone that just finished their freshman year or grad transfer. So if you look at these, you know, smaller schools like Harvard, Yale, like a lot of the Ivy people went to the portal everyone's, I, I've seen a lot of Wig fans. My mentions have been, have been full with them. I've seen, I see the board. You see people that are like, oh my God, we have to get this guy. We got to get him, we got to get him, we got to get him. And you look through it and you're like, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait a second. You can't have a knee-jerk reaction that, you can't, you can't have a knee-jerk a knee reaction with portal people because everyone that enters the portal is the best player ever. And it must get until not even 24 hours later, but sometimes just a day later when an even better player hits that fits you and a billion other teams like better. You, you have to do your due diligence. And it's a little bit of a fun cat-and-mouse game to say, hey, you know, He's the best guy now and a good fit. Will he be a better player? Like just tomorrow, the next day? How much energy do I need to put into this? And you still put obviously you still put in energy into it. Yes, wake has wake has reached out to just about all of the all of the grad transfers from from the IVs, like the left tackles, the right tackles, the defensive tackle, slackman. I know he's going to he's the defensive tackle. He's not coming here. He's he's big game hunting right now. There's some big money for for him out there, like in a like close to a million. You need to, you have to do your due diligence there. And I kind of looked through things and I was like, let me think about this, because especially on an offensive line, that's the hardest place to find players in general, whether the portal, whether high school, it's just it's just and so I kind of looked through things and I was looking through, you know, the guys that are that were FCS to FBS transfers last year and it kind of confirmed what i thought which was most of them weren't really good and a lot of these guys are like are like first team all everything in the ivies or they're at missouri state and very good they're at rhode island very good but it's like and a lot of these guys just didn't pan out like yeah landon b um, landon bb from missouri state went to colorado colorado had one of the worst offensive lines in the country landon wasn't good Gale Johnson went from Incarnate Word, Texas State wasn't good. Corey Bullock went from NC Central to Maryland. He was good. He was fine. Uh, Nick Nick Argeo from Yale, uh, which was like he was like an all Ivy, all, all everything dude. But South Carolina, South Carolina's offensive line was just garbage this year. Uh, Johnny Cornelius went from Rhode Island to Oregon. Cornelius was what? Uh, Cornelius was that was that's probably the best one. Uh, he was really good. Uh, Mike Purcell went from Elon to Duke to Maryland and just did not play well there. Uh, Willis Patrick went from Jackson State to TCU, and I think he was fine. Uh, Ben Hoitnick, I know he was like a second-team all-Ivy guy at Penn, went to Duke, just didn't play, wasn't good enough. Uh, Trevor Radosevich went from Penn, he was a very good guy at Penn, uh, went to Cincy, wasn't good. Cincy stunk this year. That's what I mean about like, and that's what I mean about doing your due diligence because just because they're the best person right now doesn't mean they'll pan out. They can have all the tools, but it, that factor of jumping up that level is still really, really hard. It's hard sometimes for like, f like FBS guys to to hop up. Like, and Jacob Roberts ended up being a very, very good player for Wake Forest, jumping up from you know North Carolina a t to you know Power Five. Jacob Roberts was really good. That dude had to hit a that dude hit a wall this spring. Like he was he he came in just not ready. And a lot of those guys don't come in ready. And it's just a different world. And that's not saying you disqualify them because again, I know I can confirm Wick has had conversations with guys like Thor, <laughs> with guys uh like I believe the right tackle out of out of Harvard for last tackle as well. They've had some conversations there. But it's not something that at this very second you can sit there and just absolutely jump at and just say, we're gonna shut ourselves down. Because again, you're only gonna have six to eight pieces. You're you've got twenty one people in your recruiting class right now. And even with those twenty-one people, like you've, a handful of those guys are 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 gray shirting. And you know who those those are just going to stay between those those players and their families and the Wake Forest, but you're gray shirt and like more than more than one or two of those guys. So you you need to have room, and that's also why I see people with Mike Elko leaving to Texas A and and people are like, "Well, can like can we start rating their class?" And I go, "I don't know how feasible it is because while there are some really good guys, and you know they've got an edge I really like, they've got a safety I really like." Um, a younger offensive tackle, uh, maybe a DC. The two sides of that coin, the two parts there that I'm like, eh, on are one, how much do freshmen help you next year? Because I, I one of those one of the biggest things is I I know like losing Khalil Barnes, losing Khalil Barnes hurt this year, man. if they have Khalil Barnes, I think Wake Forest is, like wins more games, to be quite honest. Like Khalil Barnes is a star. If you have if you have someone that you think is a Khalil Barnes, I think, yo, cool, you find a way to get him on your team. But if you're adding guys that you know are just kind of highly rated but are gonna be like developmental guys, that's a hard sell for me because you know, I don't know how much of next year you can afford to be developmental. You need to, you know, you're not gonna sit here and be a 10-win program next year, but given all the angst about four and set for the four and eight this year. You got to be a, probably a seven, eight, a, a, some make a bowl, but I think seven wins is probably the barometer that people really want for next year. I don't know how much development you can, you can have, you can bank on for next year. So that's part of it. And the other part of it is you've got to save room for portal people. You've got to save room. You need, I think you need six to eight guys, which is about the spot that they have. I think six to eight is probably that sweet spot of these are, these are spots that we need to absolutely nail. On. but also you probably have like four to five that you're like these are guys that are going to come in and be probably starters and then you probably have two to three that are we're bringing guys in we need some depth it allows us to keep the freshmen that we're bringing in redshirted, and if they're ready to play cool but it allows us to you know let us develop them and also have competition so I, you need I, I think that six to eight spots is really really necessary and i don't know how much of a benefit there is to bring in you know, more freshmen that may or may not even make an impact until week six, seven, eight. You know. So that's where I sit on that. But so yeah, so I, I understand that, you know, people are antsy. I, I get it. The portal isn't even open. Uh I know for the FCS guys it is and you know, some some like lower I know I know UVA had a couple of, you know, lower tier guys on their on their campus this past weekend. We'll be there. We'll we'll get there. We'll work through it. It'll be, it'll be fine. Um, it it'll it'll be it'll be an interesting thing. But you know, I I expect Wake Forest to get a quarterback. And you know, it's on Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll, we'll have two different articles. One of you know, I think you have a really interesting case to make of a what kind of quarterback do you want, and not so much style, but do you want someone that's had that has multiple years, or do you want someone that is a grad transfer I can see both sides of this argument I can see the multiple years because you know what if have he- Jeremy Heklinski who there's been some some floating stuff out there about Ole Miss I can report as of right now I do not expect him to take a visit to Ole Miss next weekend and I do not expect Ole Miss to take a quarterback in this class they are kind of bloated at quarterback right now they had a guy like Austin Simmons reclassify into this into like enrolling this year I but I think he's really more of like a 2024 kind of guy and to be honest because he, he reclassed the 2025 class into 2023 so they're really I think that dude's really their actual 2024 quarterback so I I don't I don't foresee them doing that I know Lane was at the game there's a tight end slash wide receiver Caleb Oden, Odom that they're trying to flip from Bama that's the bigger reason why he was at that game I think Keck Lindsey's gonna come in McLinskey's done a very, very, very good job this year. He's been excellent, like one of the best players in Georgia, like, not just quarterbacks. One of the best players in Georgia. I do think he ends up getting a small ratings boost. He's a high three star right now, but I mean, he's just not 6'1", 6'2". He's not six foot. He's five eleven, pushing it. He's five eleven, and he's a five eleven guy on a dating app that puts six foot. He. I think he's really, really good, but how much do you trust you know high school right now like you you have to keep trusting your evaluations, but what happens if he doesn't become the guy? you know having a guy with multiple years of experience is great, but it also harder to kick them off if they're bad on the other side, grad transfer, if you are a grad transfer, then you know great you know i it's easier to get you into school, probably a little more options out there. You might have a lower ceiling because those guys usually, because the, the ones that are graduates, just like a Riley Leonard, hint, hint, are probably going to end up at your Florida States, your Notre Dames, your USDs for, you know, as much money as Dave Clawson is making this year. You know, so you end up maybe with like a Daquan Finn or someone like that, from, like from, uh, from Toledo, or you end up with, you know, just another, like a Will Rogers. I think Will Rogers probably goes to, I've heard Alabama or, or Kentucky, not Alabama, excuse me, auburn or kentucky for him so you know I, but i think there's gonna be some options we we are we have not heard a lot of the options of quarterback let me let me tell you we have not heard of the options of quarterback just yet so I, I i'm intrigued about a one-year guy because you know it's a one-year rental it allows you to bring a guy in like heklinski you can mold him you can you can keep helping push and everything but you know Again, what if you had that really good year and then Heklinski is not the guy? Then you have to go through the cycle all over again. So I can see him to both sides. That's part of the reason why you can't be too knee-jerk about it. And whether or not you think that Hecklinski's that good and this staff thinks that Hecklinski, and this staff and just about everyone in Georgia think – I retweeted Ben Walk, who covers uh, UGA and he saw – he's seen a lot of Heklinski this year and he's like, that dude's going to be fun in college. Like everyone thinks is going to be a fun thing in college, but so did I, I everyone thought about Mitch Griffiths in high school. And Mitch Griffiths was really good at practice and then stunk this year. So, you know, you need to have contingency plans. And, you know, does a one-year rental allow you to have a contingency plan? I don't know. For the future, I'm not really sure about that. I think you have to get a, cor- a corner, like especially especially if Kalen does, you need one. You know, it's a place where I think you could you could play early, but I think to I think getting a established guy, older guy, is priority is one of the biggest priorities. And then you see if you can get maybe possibly like someone else to fill a spot if a couple people leave. You need an offensive tackle. Um, whether or not Devonte leaves, like regard if you Devontae leaves, you need two, which makes it even worse. But I think you need someone that is that can play offensive tackle, whether it's gonna be a bona fide starter or someone that helps push Zach, Russell, Zach Vaughn or Eric Russell, man. Like you need a, you need a tackle, and I think you, I think you can get an edge. I think edge is somewhere that even if Justine Davis does come back, like you didn't have really no depth there. You know how much do I want to trust a lead, a second year lead from Carrington Lee or from Tyler Walton? You know I like I like Kendra on the other side is really good, but again behind them, you know you had B J. who was banged up all year and Jalen Hudson who was banged up all year. Like can you trust that again? I think you need a defensive tackle because you ran a three-man defensive tackle front. And same sort of thing. Isaiah Cheney was banged up all year. I don't know if he comes back, but you know, Chris Maribel and Kashawn Thomas are second-year guys. How much of a second-year jump do you expect from them at a at a premium position like that? You know, a linebacker would interest, interest me, especially if Chase Jones doesn't leave because I think you have a lot of youth. I think you have a, a lot of bodies, but you have three guys coming in that are freshmen a guy that's coming off an Achilles injury and Quincy was hurt the last few games of the season. And so, you know, like if you're left now with Hazen and Aiden Hall, how much do you want to trust freshman linebackers next year? Especially with only one of them early enrolling? I think you could talk me into a wide receiver if Jamal leaves, if Jamal plus, and I think, you know, I think you end up losing one of Taylor or Keyshawn by the guess right now. I think Taylor's the one that ends up departing. But I think you end up losing, you know, you're going to lose one Taylor or Keyshawn or you're gonna, and you might end up losing Jamal. If you lose a third, like established guy, because I think some guys have been passed up and they're going to look for greener pastures. But if you lose, say, Donovan, I think there's a very good shot. You see them like sniff around for a receiver, especially a speedy one, because that's something they've missed was they didn't really had no speed on the outside. You had Taylor brand who's fast, but Taylor Morin's 5'9", five, 5'10". You need I think you need to see if you can find you know a six-one, six-two guy that can kind of really get by people. I don't and I don't think they get I don't think they get a kicker. I think you gotta kind of figure out what you have have there, but I don't think you get a kicker. I think we like I said, I think we start seeing some movement in the portal from the weeks from weeks in out maybe later today. Tomorrow, I think that's that's probably like as the week goes on. Wake's never usually like some people that are at the front of the line with those sort of things. Yeah. So, I not so much that they don't want to be. It's just people, people got to go to class here, man. <laughs> and I think there are a lot of people that have not that have not made up their minds. And so these conversations with the coaches that started yesterday, started on Sunday, that are go through the week, are really going to. That are really going to determine a lot of these guys, whether they go or not, you're going to clear out some spots. Like people are going to leave. It's just a matter of, you know, how long it takes them throughout this week leading into Monday that that happens. So I'm interested. It's going to be tiring, but I'm interested to see what happens here. Um, I I think that there's, there's an opportunity for Wake to do some really, really good things in the portal. I'm going to ask for patience even though I know it's not going to be granted like I'm going to I'm going to ask for patience because like I said the portal doesn't even officially open for not FCS players until Monday. We have a long way to go between December 4th and spring camp. Long, long, long way to go. Bryce Ganius was one of the best was one of the best players on this team and that dude didn't come in until basically spring camp. Jacob Roberts was one of the best players on this team. And that dude didn't come in the spring camp. Hell, some of the, some of the people that they were, they were trying to get earlier end up not panning out. So, you know, I think those things kind of work themselves out. You know, you don't always want to miss on your first guy, but. You know, I think, you know, Shane Cokes might be, re- might, might have rethought his decision considering what Colorado was at and, you know, what Bryce Gaines has looked at. I know I, maybe possibly a couple of linebackers that Wake Forest was going after, you know, Instead of the schools they were at, it ended up, you know, at Wake Forest. So we'll see. Um, I'm gonna ask for patience. We'll see if we can go there. I'll leave it with this. Uh, I I don't know, and this is not, this isn't sourced. This is this is this is just me talking. The last couple minutes, I do expect there to be some sort of staffing changes. I don't necessarily think that you know, a, the, I don't think tobacco goes. The offensive line coach. I don't think he gets fired. But I, there ha, I think there has to be some movement in the coaching staff. So I, you know, I think the last few years that whenever we've seen a problem, someone else has moved on, you know, one way or another. I don't think they were necessarily gut-wrenched when Paul Williams went to Stanford, especially because a lot of them get Chip West. And a reminder about Chip West: Chip West only only recruited one guy on this on this roster. Uh, he, Sam Neely, and Devin Cook and Taysom Burney have not. Well, Burney's more of Lambert. But he has not recruited single uh, one person besides Marcus Rankin on this roster. So I'm interested to see what happens when he gets guys in that he that he wants that that he's like okay, these are guys that I would I would I would recruit. Yeah, Lyle Hemphill a couple years ago, like that that was one where it needed to go. Like he needed to go linebackers coach. They've they've made multiple changes there when things haven't worked out, and you know I I think they take a very long look at you know special teams and tight end because those are two places that's hurt. That's hurt them the last couple of years, Um, especially special teams, special teams has really hurt them. And I think they take a look and say, Hey, you know, do we need to reassign some stuff? What's going to go on here? I don't know how you can look at the strength and conditioning coach with all the injuries you have. And with just looking at the strength numbers between like, just looking at the strength, like for yourself, not even a Notre Dame, like even against like a Duke and against like an NC state. Like, I don't know how you can look at those two and just say, this is like what we want. Like we want to be physically manhandled. I don't know how you can look at that. Like you don't necessarily need to be a Utah team that's just a bar fight, just beating the hell out of people. But you can't get manhandled like you are. And some of it has been technique. Like sometimes they just get they just get out leveraged and you know they're getting too high and stuff. But sometimes it's just you guys just need to be stronger. So I I, I expect there to be some. I don't think it'll be huge. I I'm expecting at least one change, but. You know, we'll we'll see. Those things are usually pretty lock and key until they happen. Thank you guys for listening so much. And as always, good eeks.